0: Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Welcome back to another episode of Thinking Ahead, a GFK Insights podcast. I'm Hannah Leiter, your host. We have a very timely topic for you today. We are looking at the current state of the supply chain and what it means for everyone during the busiest buying season of the year. Joining on today's episode is Tatiana Wismuth. She is the head of GFK's Distribution and Supply Chain Intelligence. Welcome, Tatiana. How are you?
1: Hi, Hannah. Thanks. I'm fine. It's so glad. I'm I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you. And I have to say, I'm really excited to talk about this topic today, which is honestly something that I never thought I would say about the supply chain. Um, In fact, I think right now is the most I have ever been aware of the world supply chain ever. Uh, The news about the shortages and delays in delivery have been covered all around the world, and I think everyone can feel it, especially right now. What are the main drivers, including that 2020 lockdown that we had in the beginning of 2020?
1: Well, actually, it all started with the lockdowns in China, as we know. So while the rest of the world was experiencing the regular business, lockdowns in early 2020 were affecting China. And as a consequence of that, Production sites were closed, harbors were not processing goods as they used to, and that caused a huge disruption in the supply chains for all kinds of industries. The backlog of vessels waiting to be boarded or deborded caused delays in various products, and therefore it is not about the product itself, but also about the components, which obviously were delayed the whole global network and globalization quickly led to an international issue which was beyond Chinese borders and once the Chinese situation was actually getting better the next phase happened and there was a lot of lockdowns happening during this season um, in Europe in Latin America and all around the globe. Uh, Firstly, with Italy in Europe, for example, Lombardy, but quickly it accelerated to further markets. And of course, one consequence of that was that markets swiftly switched to online demand and interestingly, however, is that click and mortar were even higher in demand than Pew players. So actually we saw that clients um, have had higher loyalty to their regular retailers and were preferring them rather than choosing just the pure players as we know them. So one learning that we had from this pandemic was that the customer loyalty increased. But of course, there have been also just logistical aspects um, due to those shortages in China so supply chains were disrupted and as a consequence of that retailers and distributors were suddenly forced to source their products differently
0: yeah I could see that especially with the loyalty I can you know I I can even see it from what I did which is of course in a time of uncertainty just stick to what you know works or what you know you like so I could see how that kind of increases there now, with the holiday season now in full force, what is the biggest concern for distributors who are trying to get all of those goods to consumers who want it there? You know, before the end of the year and before the big holiday in a lot of countries, which is Christmas.
1: Well, there is one burning question, which is all about product availability. Um, obviously, so there's still a high demand, which is is experienced by retailers as well as distributors, and. The working, education at home, but also the entertainment sectors are seeing an accelerated demand. And the products are still quite short. So order volumes have gone up and also order timings have extended. Distributors are now trying to supply retailers and resellers as the shortages will not be overcome on a short term. So planning is key and is already focusing on next year. We see that distributors are on the one hand side trying to find new products um, sources outside also of Asia so there's a focus on uh, Mexico for example or Eastern Europe but on the other hand side there's also a positive effect which is distributors and retailers have really strengthened their relationship most of them have intensified their communication and are also planning projects more in advance and in a more collaborative way. We also recognize that in our data, actually. So if we just look into our distribution intelligence, we see that retailers and resellers have used distributors more than ever before. Just in 2020, for example, there have been 18% more goods shipped by your distribution. This is just underlining and highlighting how important distributors became for the whole supply chain.
0: Right, now you said that it's not gonna get any better. But is the situation going to get worse or are we kind of peaking right now?
1: Well, according to our data, the demand is still high. So that's kind of the front end. Um, On the other hand side, then there is a bit of a question mark in terms of sourcing, Um, we do see that currently distribution markets are peaking and are actually selling everything they which they currently have on stock. Um, so in total, the TCG market is expected to end at a plus of 13% just this year, which equals to run about 1.4 billion US dollars if we just look into our PUS market intelligence. On the other hand side, there are key components which are short and which are currently peaking um, but we do not expect that the situation gets better on a short term. So we rather see that everybody is already talking about second half year 2022. So as Jip said, our short, there are multiple end industries which do need to combat with this situation. So de- despite the fact that the new production sites, which are just announced, will not be open, these shortages will still affect us in the first half year 2022, as far as we know. And of course, the circumstances contribute to the picture as well. If we just look into the next year and with the new virus variant, Omnicron, the question also arises if we do see lockdowns again in the winter season, which obviously will lead us to a kind of revival of online shops and online demand, peaking traditional retailers um, rather suffering.
0: Tatiana, you've already given us a little bit about a few of the different areas, but overall, um, in terms of distribution and the intelligence that you collect, it's all over the world. What are the regions that are really feeling the most impact right now?
1: Well, if we look into our data, which is including around about 47 markets around the globe, we do see that there are differences on the regional level, especially in Eastern Europe and in Latin America. So there we do see also a different trend when it comes to demand, but also what kind of products are um, actually requested by retailers and resellers. If we look rather into the season and now the recent couple of weeks, then we see, for example, Eastern Europe, the demand is extraordinary high compared to the last years. So 2021 even exceeds the results of last year by 25% in the first three quarters this year. This is really extraordinary. Wow. Um, It is sourced by both actually, B2C and B2B demand. So on the one hand side, B2C, um, if we look into retailers, there are a lot of investments into upgrading devices, entertainment, et cetera. If we look into B2B, then clearly digitalization was triggering, but it already was before. It was just accelerated due to the pandemic. And at the same time, we see that the average prices are actually rising. Um, so in that time frame, we talk about 30% price increase in Eastern Europe. And this is not only driven by supply chain shortages, but also higher raw material costs and logistical costs, for example. And another factor, of course, is inflation. And this is also something that we see in Latin America as a contrary. So here, distribution, prices, race, for example, just in Q2 with an average of 63%. That's insane, isn't it?
0: That is, I mean, you were giving some very outstanding numbers here, you know, a 25% increase in demand, 30% increase in price. I mean, 63%, that is, I mean, I I would assume I'd I'd have to go back in history, but that seems like some sort of a historic number for sure.
1: Yeah. And it is also just an historic number if we look into distribution markets so if we just look also in the in the product what kind of products are demanded then we see in that for example that there is still a great investment into audio audio conferencing systems microphones for example so really people are still investing a lot into the equipment for the home office for the education at home. And of course, then also inflation rates of the individual countries are basically uh, leading to increased pricing overall.
0: Right. In terms of, you know, consumer expectations, expectations between a distributor and a retailer, what's kind of the biggest difference when it comes to those highly impacted regions such as Europe or Latin America?
1: Well, for retailers, um, there is one good and less good news, which is uh, the demand is still there. So whatever products are available, they will be sold, especially when it comes to home office equipment or um, something which supports learning at home, entertainment at home. So this at-home focus will still stay and will also be characterized um, by that kind of demand. On the other hand side, revenue is even accelerating just because the pricing is increasing. Um, For manufacturers, that is also some good news because um, of course margins are also something which they are interested in. The question is if they can also raise their pricing too the indirect or direct channels as well. And for customers, unfortunately, we do have to pay the price. So therefore, we do see that the pricing is affecting us, even in the season when we do expect great promotions happening. Those great promotions will still be there, but they will be on a higher price level. If we look into the TCG market in Europe, we talk about a pricing level of plus 20% percent in it for example um just recently and on the other hand side we do have a benefit for manufacturers as well as distributors or or retailers which is the customers are also willing to spend it that kind of pricing there is a trend towards premiumization so therefore people tend to buy more premium devices, higher priced tickets. Um, in the computing industry, for example, they also care about less about pricing. So pricing is not that important than other factors, for example. And customers also have more budgets available. So if we think about all the lockdowns or just the restrictions which are currently applying, then it makes sense that budgets have shifted. In Germany, for example, customers used to spend 75 billion euro for just out-of-home spendings, which means going to restaurant, cinema, etc. 75 billion and for traveling, 85 billion. And this budget is now available to be transferred to other sectors, other industries, such as the TCG market.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Tatiana, I have to ask you about the United States, because while many people listening right now are probably wondering about it because we do have a lot of listeners in the U.S., um, its economy is also something that hugely impacts uh, the rest of the world's economy. So what are the implications for the U.S. specifically?
1: Yeah, for the U.S., um, there's a we need to differentiate, basically. So from a distribution market perspective, the distribution market in the U.S. is much more concentrated. You have less distributors that you can rely on. Um, there are more or less just a, a few of them, while in Europe, for example, we have over 80, for example, just in Germany. Um, so therefore, distributors are more concentrated. There's a more Dependence from retailers and resellers towards them and therefore it is also a question on how they will deal with the pricing how they will actually also source the goods. Um, For manufacturers there's one learning um, which is not only applicable for the US, but in general, which is we need to think of decentralizing our supply chains so to reduce dependencies on individual countries, we have seen how much influence the lockdowns of the Chinese market had on nearly every market in the world. So manufacturers are already trying to find different production sites in Mexico, Latin America, Eastern Europe, for example. And that is something that we do see, which will continue. Um, on the second side effect, we also see that this is contributing to supply chain topics and sustainability topics. So bringing those two words a bit together because just the logistical aspects um, Ways are getting shorter, there is less logistical um, planning needed in this case. So that is something which actually is contributing to that. And also, if we just listen to media and um, following news, then there are different production sites even open up in the U.S. specifically, which will also have a contribution. Unfortunately, it will also take a while until they are opened
0: Right. Yeah. Now I want to take out my old economics book about supply and demand, because of course, as you mentioned earlier, you know, for retailers, the good news is, is whatever you have in stock, it's going to be sold. But with this increase in demand, is that going to begin um, to kind of. To bring consumers' um, desire down for it as they see they can't get it, or is it actually going to increase their want for it the more that they aren't able to get the goods that they want?
1: Yeah, that's that's also an interesting aspect that we can actually observe in our data, which is that if a product is not available, then customers tend to just choose a different brand as a used to. So 20% of the customers actually have agreed that they chose a different brand because the regular brand was out of stock, for example. And one third of them will even stick to them after making a good experience. So there is a chance for manufacturers as well as retailers to actually win new customers and also retain them in case they can overcome the shortages. So that is one good side, of course, at least if you are um, not on the side that you're having constraints in product availability. But that is one learning that we had. So there is a whole new customer base. And secondly, there is also a new customer base because a lot of people have tried to buy online for the very first time. And those customers also agree that they will do so after the pandemic. So they made good experience and they are likely to shop online to actually also shop online brands or even products, which they used to buy offline. So therefore there is a certain benefit. And if we talk about online, then there's another benefit for retailers, which is, I mentioned that before the click and mortar. So retailers, which have a traditional shop and an offline shop have had a higher growth rate during the pandemic than the pure players, which means customers were more loyal to them and did not switch to the regular online or pure online players that we know. And it's also um, coming with the fact that they have a higher likelihood of being recommended. Consumers actually say they will recommend an online retailer, while the number of the offline retailers in that regard is quite lower. So less people are actually willing to recommend an offline right, Taylor, but they do for an online.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of different interesting movements. I know that if you can remember a past episode with, um, Neil Heffernan, who he talked about accidental trials, which is kind of what you alluded to in that some people who are very loyal to one brand had to try something else because of shortages and then have in fact switched over. Um, and it's given, um, some of those non-premium brands kind of a chance to acquire new customers. So it's a very interesting, um, situation that I think, um, Is unique since the 2020 lockdowns, which is really when we first started seeing empty shelves in the stores. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, with all of the challenges, how do companies deal with shortages of essential resources, those items that they just really need in order to get things out?
1: Well, one consequence um, is obvious, which is the order volumes go up. So companies try to get more order volume uh, plays to their distributor, retailer, or even manufacturer in order to secure devices. And second effect that we do see when, when talking with distributors or retailers is they think, rethink their stocking or inventory strategy. So that is also one uh, reason why distributors have been a really essential part in that whole supply chain and shortage topic which is they do on a usual basis have um inventory which lasts longer so usually they do have an inventory which they are fine to supply goods for four to six weeks while retailers used to have a much shorter time frame Um, and that is that is one consequence of that for components for example what we currently see especially in the hardware business uh, components are really short so therefore what all manufacturers retailers and distributors try to do is to assemble those within the premium devices we already talked about that premiumization is taking place so customers tend to buy the premium devices so that is actually where also manufacturers and retailers and distributors are acting on so they they take the pressures components and rather place it in the premium devices than the others. So that is also one effect we see in the data, which is the number of different devices over time, which is equipped in or which is targeting the premium ranges, is rather stable, while less pricey computer, for example, the the number of devices has just declined significantly. So that is one strategy to actually overcome that and try to uh, feed at least the premium demand Um, and as we talk we do see that, that this is also a successful strategy which is also relating of course then to higher margins than the regular devices
0: What about retailers that just simply, you know, they take the goods and they sell it. Um, They don't necessarily manufacture it. So what are some of the creative ways that they found to overcome a shelf that would usually have some sort of good that currently just isn't available to them to supply?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Retailers also um, kind of adapted their sourcing strategy. So we see that some retailers actually used to have a high direct shipment from manufacturers, but... As shortages applied and also still apply, they rather look for different sources, and one of them are distributors. So distributors have been used to a high extent to overcome those shortages to still safeguard supply for respective brands, but of course, also from their assortment, they need to look into what kind of products are available and maybe deprioritize or prioritize one or the other brand. Um, So that is also one effect we do see with retailers. However, for us, and as we see it in data, to actually work with distributors has really paid off. Um, That was entering that enough supply is there and their demand is, is faded.
0: Thinking ahead, what kind of business implications will all of this have for the next year? And how do you think it's going to change the way the system works in the future?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, actually. And um, it's kind of the $1 million question, I guess. So if we look into the business implications, sorry, um, we now see that, some of the purchases actually were preponed. So 24% of consumers are agreeing that they um, also preponed their purchases um, while there was a need. So customers actually move from I want to I need. And this is also where we see that people are more likely to upgrade. 24% of them are also saying that they upgrade a working device. and this is even accelerating if we talk about the gaming industry, but also for the regular devices. So pre-print purchases in a consequence means also that life cycles or replacement cycles have been disrupted. The question now is when, to what extent those this disruption has taken place and how it will impact actually replacement cycles in the upcoming years. A second effect um, that we see is that there is a second wave of purchases um which is focusing on the accessories so accessories such as webcams mice keyboards and also then infrastructure and even security devices are usually following the first purchases which is the hardware and that is where currently the game is is on and we see great results for those categories. And of course, we need to also to consider that now the installed base of hardware is higher, which is triggering that demand. Um, Thinking ahead, the situation also opens the door for new devices, which we do not, or maybe not yet know. So a lot of work or a lot of education is now taking on in a digital way. So video audio transmission, but also just to have a better lightning for video calls is something which changes the requirements of consumers. And also the need for more mobility. They would like to work wherever they are. So there is certain implications for the form factors as well, for computing devices, but also for the accessories. Also, we see a trend to the well-being. So whether it's ergonomic shape, for example, customers have changed a bit their priorities and their view on products. Meanwhile, it should not only be functional, but it should also support their demands in terms of um, well-being and mobility, for example.
0: Yeah, amazing insight. Um, but unfortunately, we are almost out of time for the episode, Tatiana. So I want to finish off on one last question for you. Um, and that is just as an expert, how would you go about creating a good brand portfolio to succeed in a world of complicated distribution?
1: Yeah. Well, it comes down to one thing, which is the most important thing is to know what is important for the customers and what will drive the demand in future. So, this is where knowledge is needed and where we are basically then coming into play. So, we do know that customer needs have changed. And this is where we need to set basically on the mega trends that are now shaping the future. It could be mobility, sustainability, but also well being. And this is actually where the portfolio, the assortment needs to actually be adapted to that. And just a fun fact, for example, um, did you know, for example, that a PC, the the reason why, or the, the weight um, actually is more important, um, meanwhile, than than the thickness. That is just one example, while the customer behavior and the customer needs have changed. So, that is something which is crucial to analyze and where we can help to have a look into the data and also distribution intelligence, of course, to see what's next at the POS.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if you're listening and you do want more information or you want to contact Tatiana with a couple of specific questions that you may have, I'm gonna make sure that you have all of the right links and right contact links and all of that as usual in the show notes. You can also head over to the episode's webpage if you wanna learn more about the episode and about Tatiana herself. Uh, But with that, I wanna give a last thank you to you uh, for being here as the guest today and for lending us um, some of your amazing insights on this topic. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, you can click the link in the description. And please make sure to leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you like about the show. And of course, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button to keep up to date on the latest insights. We'll see you next time so you can keep thinking ahead.